allowed to start putting pumpkins up in my house or do um, I have to wait till September 1st? Allie, I bought a sweater today. I bought a fall sweater today and I have an order into Pottery Barn for a Halloween themed welcome mat. Perfect. So okay. do it up. I don't care. You know, I'm just going to say it's been uh, a difficult two years. <laughs> so do it's been a difficult fall. life. So you know what? Do fall. I am in for it. You know, yeah. Starbucks and Dunkin' have their pumpkin spice. I saw the pumpkin spice creamer in Target today. I, again, I bought like a thick ass like cashmere type sweater today. I tried it on and I thought I was going to die of a heat stroke. But it'll be there when it does get cold. So you know what? Do it up. Get your pumpkins. I'm all for it. I bought some like cloth felt pumpkins and they're really cute <gasps> and I nice. just don't know whether I can set them out yet. So I will. I'll um, decorate I don't, this week. I'll get ready. You can decorate this week. Who cares? Also, I think I'm also in that mindset because my wedding's in two months and yeah. it's a fall wedding. Yeah. So like I'm also just in that like I'm in October right it's now. Also how I'm I mentally in October. As soon as school starts. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's fall now. Summer yeah, isn't exactly. like the end of August for me yeah Labor Day or September 21st or whatever it's like once school starts it's fall yeah I also am gonna say August sounds autumnal sure does you know what I'm saying so August obviously wants to be a part of the fall club (laughs) but we're just not letting her (laughs) August is a woman um Um, we're not here to talk about (laughs) August the woman month no we're here to talk about herstory with Katie and Allie this is a podcast where we talk about famous women in history. And we talk about good women and bad women and fictional women and non-fictional women from all times and places because women have nuance, even in season 10. Even in season 10. <laughs> but keep in mind, we're drinking the entire time. <laughs> and we're not historians. Yep. So if we slip up, burp up, do whatever, and you want to correct us, say, hey, Mary Todd Lincoln was born in 2015 instead of 1892. Both of those dates are incorrect, but you know, just let us know. Just say it. Because everybody makes mistakes and you know, we don't want to make gross mistakes like saying she was born in 2015. Right. Because she but- absolutely wasn't <laughs> uh, that I know of. Uh, but also you're so busy right now. Yeah. You're waiting to get your pumpkin spice latte. Right. Because you just went out to buy your kids school supplies. Exactly. So you're in a fall state of mind, just like us. And uh, you're busy and you're waiting and you don't have time because you're in the car probably through the drive-thru. You don't have time to look at your phone. No. No. To look up what these women look like. So we're going to describe them for you so you can have a beautiful picture in your head. We're going to get a little physical, physical. Allie, who are you doing and what does she look like? Well, I am doing our Flotus of the Season. Ah, so and early. I know. <laughs> and it is the aforementioned Mary Todd Lincoln. Whoop, whoop. Uh, she had a roundish face with like scrunched up eyebrows <laughs> most of the time. Um, she wears her dark hair up and typically adorned with like a literal bouquet of flowers. Love that for her. (laughs) It was wild. She wore very, very big Victorian style dresses, but they were often cut like off the shoulder or really low cut. It was like very like Russian in style. Um, Most pictures of her are like a semi profile where she's looking off to the side. There's a few where she's facing forward, but Mostly, she was 5'2 and married to a man that was 6'4. <gasps> My so goodness. She was very, very Climb short. Climb that beanpole, honey. Exactly. Jesus. So, who are you doing? <laughs> what does she look like? I am doing Valentina Tereshkova. <gasps> Our last Misty Our 16. Last Misty 16. 
if you don't know, our dear listener, Missy, Missy Benz, Dr. Missy Benz made us an incredible cross stitch of famous women. And we have been slowly covering all of them. Some of them we already done and we're going through the rest of them. And this is the last one. This is the only person we hadn't done. So I'm really excited about this one. So she is a white Russian woman with a wide face and a very square jawline complemented by high tight cheekbones. She has small blue eyes, thin lips, and dark brown hair that is usually rather short, like either cropped close, but like in a little curled or kind of just under the chin. Um, and in her later years, she's gone a little salt and pepper and she wears a lot of suits. But in her earlier years, she can either be seen in a military uniform or an orange space suit with the letters CCCP written on her helmet. Her space helmet. Space girl. <laughs> Love it. I know. I'm so excited. A science girl. All right. But we're too sober, so we need to get into this first cocktail. We do. Now, this cocktail is called For Good Reason. Ooh. And... You're not going to know why it's called that until literally the last line. Perfect. So keep it in your head. I made a bourbon drink in a martini glass. I love Because that. I think Mary Todd Lincoln is so off the charts. Yeah. That, like, it's insane. So this is two large strawberries cut up into pieces, but they're mm-hmm. not muddled in the drink. They're just set afloat. And then it's a half an ounce of lemon juice, a half an ounce of maple syrup, Two ounces of bourbon and then a splash of tonic. Okay. <gasps> Cheers. Cheers. And it's kind of warm. Yeah. I really like it. It's super refreshing. I like it a lot. And also, like, they probably didn't have ice back then, so I feel like it kind of fits the times. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they did have a lot of um, ice availability. No. Mm. It has a really interesting taste to it. Like, I think it's the the maple mixed with the lemon. Agreed. Mm. I really enjoy this. Yeah, I got this. It's kind of a take on a... Um, a cocktail that they make in Kentucky, Ooh. which is where she was born. Okay. So, um, can you tell me what you know about Mary Todd Lincoln? Okay. I know she was married to Abe Lincoln. I know that she was short. I know that she believed in the spooky spookies. Super spooky spookies. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I know that she wore black for the rest of her life because she was in mourning. Right. And that's really it. I don't know what else she did. I don't know exactly what the spooky spooky entailed. So I'm really excited to learn. Um, but yeah, but that's it. And I know she was the first lady. Yeah. <laughs> she has a, um, an interesting life, a tragic life, a weird life. And just, I'm so ready to dive into it. I got my sources. Where the History Chicks did an amazing two-parter on oh, her. Great. Flotus did a two-parter on her. So I'm trying to... Like, wow. Uh, so <laughs> I'm trying to, like, squeeze this into one episode, so I'm going to do my best to fly through. And then, obviously, I read Wikipedia. I read some biographies online um, and some YouTube. But the big stuff was the podcast. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Mary was born in Lexington, Kentucky, and was the fourth of seven children, I think six surviving children, in 1818. Her dad was um robert smith todd and he was a banker and her mom was elizabeth or eliza parker todd 
Now, her family had way back when immigrated one side from Ireland and one side from Scotland, but Mm -hmm. they had been there for several generations in the United States. Her family did own slaves, and she was raised in comfort and refinement. But Kentucky's interesting because Kentucky, like Maryland, was a slave state but did not secede from the Union during no the Civil way. War. Yeah. Really? Yes. I would always think of them as a southern state. Or were they just kind of out of the war? They, no, they. Oh, wait. Yeah, Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. Kentucky and Maryland both did the same thing where they didn't secede, but then the people in the state, half kind of, of them fought for the South okay. and half of them fought for the North. Okay. Um, But they kind of thought themselves more refined than the big plantations in the south Mm. they were like we're not like those big operations that beat people we know all our slaves names we only have like 15 (laughs) of them you know what i mean (laughs) it's it's like i'm the lesser of 17 evils (laughs) right it's like i know i'm the worst person but i'm not the worst person ever (laughs) I'm not Hitler per se. Right. Because the fact of the matter is if you're trying to be better, you know that what you're doing is wrong. Like Exactly. It so, doesn't make it better that you just know their names. It actually makes it a little bit worse. Right. <laughs> and that's kind of where Kentucky stands. Um, so like I said, she had a lot of siblings, but her two direct older siblings were like, they were sisters and they were bestie besties, which kind of left her a little bit by herself. Her brother was really close in age, but they weren't close. So she befriended one of her household slaves, which they called Mammy Sally. And she kind of raised her slash befriended her when she was really alone. And one interesting thing we know is that Mammy Sally would hand out food to slaves escaping north from other plantations. Their home was not officially on the Underground Railroad, but Mary knew this was happening and never told on her. Good on her. So Mary's entire childhood, she's watching this woman, this black woman who's Mm -hmm. enslaved in her home, help these other black people escape. Wow. So Mary is learning very young that slavery is not good. Wow. Um, When she was six years old, her mother had another child and succumbed to what is commonly called childbed fever. And after some bloodletting and other shit like that, her mom dies when Mm. she's six. Oh, my gosh. Which is the first of many deaths in her immediate family during her life. Her father marries this other woman almost right away. They're engaged, like, less than six months later. Her name's also Elizabeth, but goes by Betsy. And her father had nine additional children with her (gasps) after having, like, six or seven with Eliza. God, the seed is strong. Seriously, this man could breed. He's a breeder. Her mom, Eliza, had been really young and fun and spunky when they had gotten married. This woman, however, was a second marriage and was strict and not fun. Typical. Right. Mary did not get along with her Mm. stepmother. She would put salt in her coffee. (laughs) And, um, like, her stepmother referred to her as the limb of Satan. (laughs) She just hated her, Katie. She hated her. God, as long as I'm the leg. My goodness. Mary's dad did, though, want his daughters to have a formal education. So he did what he could through her early years to get her taught history and literature and politics. She freaking loved 
politics. At age nine, she apparently stopped this man in the street and argued with him about his political standings. <laughs> then when she was 14, she got on a horse, rode to Henry Clay's house. What? And had a debate with him in his front yard. Henry Clay Henry? Henry Clay, like the guy who ran for president 18 times but never won. Love that for him. Yeah. That's unbelievable. <laughs> he was like the, the um, Bob Dole of the yes. 1800s. <laughs> he just kept running for president. Poor guy. I um, wish I could be that positive in my own life. <laughs> I know. I'm, I so succumb to failure, like, really easily. <laughs> he believed in himself so hard. <laughs> God, Henry, just give me a little bit of that. I mean, he made it to Secretary of State, I think, at some okay, point. Okay, that's I can't pretty remember. good. I think so. But when she's 14, she goes to this finishing boarding school. It's only two miles from her house as a boarding school, but she's like, fuck, get me away from my stepmom. Mm -hmm. She goes there. She learns to speak French fluently. She studies dance, drama, music, social graces, how to be a woman, how to sit up straight, how to serve tea, et cetera, et cetera. Like her family, she's a Whig um, in the Whig political party. In her late teens, her family moves to this house that's now known the, as the Mary Todd Lincoln House. It's a beautiful residence, like 14 rooms. She didn't really live there a lot, though. She was there on and off, but she was mostly at the boarding school from that time forward. Mm -hmm. But her earlier house had been demolished, so they kind of used that as the museum okay. to the Todd family. She finishes school, super educated, and like, I'm such a lady, and she's supposed to get married. That's mm -hmm. what you do. My yeah. dad's rich. I don't do anything else i go and get married but much to her father's embarrassment she decides to get a job <gasps> monster monster and she works <laughs> at like a nursery school as like a assistant teacher it's like an, <laughs> it's like when diana spencer got a job and yeah. people were like <gasps> how could she <laughs> taking a paycheck away from a regular person <laughs> how dare you um but mary wanted to be and do great things but understood sadly that she had to hitch herself to a man to do that she in fact called it the crime of matrimony yeah it really was a crime back then honestly hated it, hated it. even more to her dad's embarrassment instead of getting married right away she decides to move in with her sister in springfield illinois and like, you know what? I'm just going to go and live with my sister. And he's married to like the son of a former governor. And that guy becomes Mary's um, guardian while she's living there because, you know, women can't have their own lives. Right. Like, mm -hmm. of course. Mm -hmm. Like, why not? Um, but Mary was definitely popular in Springfield um, among the young men. She was courted by the young lawyer, Stephen A. Douglas, and many other in the political field. But she chose to seriously date a little country boy ah. named Abraham Lincoln. So the story goes, they were at a town dance, and he came up and says, Miss Todd... I wish to dance with you in the worst way. Oh, my gosh. Uh, oh, my forward. gosh. How wow. Who is he? Antonio Banderas? <laughs> <laughs> and then they dance. And um, in order to pick on him for his terrible dancing, she says, well, you danced with me in the worst way. <laughs> <laughs> Too cute. Their minds fit perfectly. He opposed slavery. So did she. He thought women should have the right to vote. He listened to her when she talked about politics. He didn't talk down to her. But he really was a country bumpkin. And her family did not like him. And Mary also was really trying to avoid marriage. Yeah. So one night, Abe's like working hard on being a lawyer and shit. And he accidentally stands her up at this party. He like runs in really late, like my bad girl, my bad. But she's already like talking and flirting <gasps> with this other boy, and she like looks at him, 
rolls her eyes and's like, you can leave. And they break up. He goes into a deep emo boy depression. Like spirals out of control, isn't performing well at work. And um, their friends keep trying to get them to show up at the same parties because they're like, come on, you guys are endgame. You all know. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Is this a 90s rom-com? What is this? So they decide to start this, like, anonymous political letter-writing campaign together as friends and, of course, fall back in love. Just friends. Right. And um, then, of course, they decide to get married in a month with no plan at all. Love that. So she gets married <laughs> in her sister's house. She bars her sister's wedding dress. Their parents couldn't even make it in time because they sent out invitations and were like, if you can get here, cool. And I'm sure it's the Pony fucking Express. <laughs> yeah, so it's weeks like, and weeks. it probably got there two weeks after the wedding. <laughs> the joke is that the wedding cake was still warm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, now, did she have a baby exactly nine months later? Yes, she mm. did have a baby exactly nine months later. Okay, so they were really dirty dancing over there. <laughs> super, super dirty dancing. So it's November 1842 when they get married. She's 23, he's 33, and they move in. To a boarding house apartment above a tavern in Springfield, (gasps) Illinois. That's where I want to live. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But he immediately goes out on the work circuit after they get married. So most of the time she's alone at a majority male boarding house. And she's pregnant. And you're not allowed to walk around in public when your baby belly's showing back then. It was shameful. So she's duck in an 8 by 14 apartment and has to eat at like a table with a hundred men oh my gosh I'm so sad for her right now <laughs> horrendous especially a woman who like really valued her independence like yeah. that fucking sucks terrible <laughs> at least she could probably like talk to the boys about politics and they, they might have known what they were talking about she probably had some fun dinner conversation I imagine this was like a little bit of like a Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs situation. Right. But it also, like, nothing is more fun than being pregnant and living above a bar. Oh, <laughs> my God. How do you ever sleep? Did Can't... they really know that then, though? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You meant, like, just the noise from yeah, it. Yeah, the noise level. I thought you like, meant, like, how tempting it would be to go down for a beer. No. For a like, pint. No. It was, she was, like, probably trying to sleep and, like, nauseous. Yeah. And, yeah. like, shut the hell up, boys. Yeah. And they're like, Jaeger shots for everybody. And she's like, <laughs> oh, my God, again. Yes. It was it was probably rough nights. But then one day, like shortly after she has her son, Robert, um, her dad comes to visit. And to his dismay, he sees where his daughter's living. And he gives <sighs> Abe and Mary money to buy this little white house with green shutters That's and cute. allows Abe to save face by like doing some work for him for the loan. So it's very nice. Mary loved keeping house. She didn't employ any slaves. She had some servants that she paid here and there, but she did a lot of the work by herself. She um, helps Lincoln pursue this successful career as a lawyer. She is supervising her growing household. She's left alone there for months at a time. She's like a really shitty cook because she wasn't taught how to cook because she's Mm -hmm. expected to have slaves. But also Abe Lincoln grew up in a log cabin, so he doesn't give a shit. Famously. (laughs) Famously in a log cabin. (laughs) Um, it's really important that I said that in this episode. <laughs> but Illinois would be pissed if we didn't. <laughs> Is but, that where he was from? Illinois? No, I think he's from 
they, he ended up in Illinois. Okay. But I think he's like considered the first Western president. Yeah. He might be from Illinois. Who knows? I don't know. It was a log cabin somewhere. Tell us. It was a log cabin <laughs> on the other side of the Mississippi. Nope. Illinois is on this side of the Mississippi. It was somewhere not in the original 13 colonies. They called it the West. You know, recalling this audience participation. <laughs> Where was Abe Lincoln from? <laughs> Tell us. Where the heck was that log cabin? <laughs> Exactly. So with his aunt and his sister, I think, I think he like loved the women he grew up with. Oh, that's he, nice. He had like the greatest female relationships in his ah, childhood. Like, good for him. He was a really good guy. Um, and then he got shot. So oh, and he's spoiler. probably bisexual. <laughs> spoiler. Probably. Um, okay. So she supports him socially, politically, but they seem to really love each other. Like if he was in a meeting nearby the house and there's a thunderstorm, he would get up and leave because Mary was terrified of thunderstorms uh, and he would like come home to be with her. And then on other days, every day he'd get home from work and she would walk outside and greet him and they would walk through the front door together. Oh my God. They were like very, very cute. And then they have their second son, Eddie. They're super indulgent and sal- shall I say modern parents? Yeah. Because they would throw these big birthday parties. <gasps> they hated punishing their children. They would let all the kids in town play at their house. And they loved it because they wouldn't get in trouble for breaking things or making things dirty. <sighs> they would sit on the floor and play with their kids and let their kids bring home frogs and lizards and stray cats that they found around town. Oh they were so fun, but they were also super manic. Yeah. <laughs> they would yell at each other and they would chase each other around. There's the story that Mary chased him out of the house with a knife one time and then they would like <laughs> laugh it off she was volatile he was a western frontier boy and they loved it <laughs> she was training him in manners like how to sit up straight and they would read the paper together at night and he would say things like until now i never met a man who wore his sunday clothes every day <laughs> <laughs> because he was just overalls kind of boy yeah she also threw these big parties, which I would call networking parties, so that her husband could become more visible and shake hands and kiss babies. And everybody thought she was smart and funny and exciting to talk to. Remember that for later. That opinion is going to change. Ooh. She would walk around and say, my husband's going to be the president. And he would just go, honey. Honey, stop. Come on. Stop. Come on. Come You're on. It's too You're much. No, I'm not. <laughs> Um, all this work does get Abe elected to Congress and she's so excited. She packs up her kids from her house and goes with him to DC to live in a boarding house in Washington, DC. God, they love those boarding houses. Love it. Cause they have no money and all the political boys in DC are like, dude, why is your wife here? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. This town is for the boys. <laughs> <laughs> they like would leave them at home with the kids. Um, she eventually does go back to Springfield, but um then that leaves abe without his advisor aka mary and he makes some big political missteps but mary could care less because eddie at age three was really really sick and he dies in her arms (gasps) while she's taking care of him and then shortly after that abe runs for senate against her (gasps) ex-boyfriend stephen a douglas and abe loses oh shit and mary's already kind of spiraling because she lost her baby son which granted spiral um and then she falls into these struggles with the press during political campaigns obviously the press is going to talk about you and your husband yeah and abe's like hate the play i don't hate the game it doesn't bother him but it 
really bothers her. Anytime yeah. there is a lie printed in the newspaper, she's like, why the fuck are these people talking trash about me? And then she's, she has two more pregnancies, like almost back to back. She has Willie at 32 and Tad at 35. So she has four sons total in her life. Wow. Um, and during this time, she picks up this compulsive buying disorder. And she would buy random things. She was a shopaholic? Yes. To make herself feel better. And she, I mean, dresses, jewelry, draperies. She doubled the size of her house in additions. <gasps> what? Like, and is just overseeing all this building. She dealt with all the finances. So Abe doesn't really know. And then Abe gets offered this job in Oregon. And he's like, I think I might take it. And she's like, no, wrong coast, baby. Yeah. <laughs> We're going <laughs> the other way. So she starts a letter writing campaign to get him back on people's mind. And turn of events, this new party shows up. And they're like, we know you lost the Whig Senate seat to Stephen. But there's this new party. And we want you to be our presidential candidate. Uh -huh. And he's like, okay. <laughs> so people start visiting their house all the time. Mary loves it, even though she's kind of sad that she's getting pushed out of being Abe's advisor. Mm. Um, but back then, you weren't supposed to openly campaign, and she's like, too bad. And she starts writing letters to, like, influencers. And, of course, Abe... Influencers. influencers I would love nation. to know <laughs> what an 1800s influencer <laughs> looked like. I would just love it. Be like, look at that bustle. And then there's just, like, an ad, like, ooh, vote ooh. for Lincoln <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> on the bustle. <laughs> But he won. There we go. The bustles worked. With 40% of the vote, he won. Now, I know that sounds weird, but it's because there were four candidates back then. It still wasn't like a two-party system like yeah. we have now. When he found out they won, he ran down the street and was yelling, Mary, we got elected. Oh, we. we. Oh, my god. He knew. He knew it was her doing. But then, of course, like they promised, South Carolina secedes immediately. They were like, if this slave hater gets elected we're gonna secede oh my gosh so right away they secede and less than a month later jefferson davis is elected as the president of the confederate states of america less than a month oh my gosh the war has begun oh <sighs> she shows up to the white house and she's like my dream has come true <laughs> but it's trashed so buchanan had been the president immediately before that and buchanan was a bachelor in that he didn't have a wife most people consider him to be the first gay president and that his relationship was with his vice president that's wait not buchanan mm -hmm. it's not for sure but okay. it's pretty positive that him and his vice president had um a like relationship a relationship and he was not married oh ever. really buchanan. so he's in the white house totally single and just the place is trash. Well, we know DC is for the boys, so. Right? Only the boys. Um, and I mean, there are letters. There's a big sign that says no girls allowed. <laughs> yeah. They nailed it up. <laughs> on the side of 495. On the walk of 495. <laughs> but like, I mean, okay, we can talk about Buchanan another time. But there are letters <laughs> back and forth between him and his vice president, like super loving. There's okay. more than a bromance happening. Anyway, first gay president. Okay. <laughs> But you, I mean, people are still not great with indoor plumbing. So, like, when the wind blows, you can, like, smell poo at the White House. <laughs> the curtains are cut up because people would come in and cut off pieces as, like, a, I've a been souvenir. to the White House. 
And like, can you imagine doing that today? Oh my god, we would you would get ushered out immediately. You'd get arrested like, right then and there. But then also, if you go to like the upper floors of the White House, you could see the Confederate flags in Virginia, like out the window. Oh my god, unbelievable! The press is having a field day, tearing her apart, and she hates it. First, like her family's from a border state, so. Half of them are fighting for the Confederacy, Mm -hmm. and she's, like, the first lady of the Union. Her brother runs a Confederate prison. And then her political appearance is as a Westerner, a a rugged woman. And, like, they're calling her coarse and, like, (gasps) unladylike and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I'm from fucking Kentucky. It's, like, ten miles away. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, calm down. (laughs) I'm not from Nevada. (laughs) The not state yet Nevada. (laughs) Um, But she's like, I need a project to get this off my mind. But I just don't want to deal with the press. So I'm not even going to tell them I'm doing it. So she starts, like, taking oranges and lemons to all the soldiers of the Union and nursing for them and, like, talking to them. And she was like, I don't want to humble brag, so I'm not going to take the press. But that ends up kicking her in the ass because they follow her on all the bad shit she does. And they never see any of the good things she does because she really was trying to help the soldiers. But then she's like, you know what I'll do? I'm going to refurbish the White House because I'm tired of living in this shithole. (sighs) She Jackie owes it. She does. And I think she she expected it to be more like Versailles. I'm going to show up and it should be something of elegance. It should be grand. And she showed up and there were like mushrooms growing from the carpets in some room. Katie, it was like full of... disgusting. Yeah, it was full of fungus. It was (gasps) really, really bad. Um, So she does an extensive redecorating of all the public and private rooms. Abe had left her the finances in her hands he's like i've got a war going on <laughs> he's like you're the secretary of the treasury Do whatever so no biggie <laughs> so she purchases china for the white house the first first lady to purchase china <gasps> no way new carpeting new wallpaper running water love that so fancy which led to extensive overspending oh which american people hate Yes, and Abe comes out of a meeting where they're like, we don't have enough money to feed the soldiers, to then find out that his wife went thousands and thousands over budget. Oh, my God. Redecorating the White House. And thousands and thousands back then is like millions and millions right. in today's this is like money. Six this over. is, woo. <laughs> She's Abe like, all is- the stimulus only for me. <laughs> Super pissed. I'm sure. He's like pissed, pissed, but like disappointed kind of pissed. Like, I thought you were smart enough to deal with this. Like, <sighs> I gave you this to do alone. Yeah. Not acknowledging that she already has a compulsory buying disorder. So, like, yeah. Big issue. A Congress does eventually pass, like, these additional, like, cost things to cover the costs. But she's often, like I said, going out and buying jewelry. She hires a personal dressmaker named Elizabeth Keckley, who is a former slave who becomes her very, very best friend. We should do her one time. Mm-hmm. Um, she would also have these great dinner parties, and they were the talk of the town. Like, if you didn't get invited, it was so embarrassing. Oh, what a snub. You needed, needed to be there. Um, and like I said, this was good politics for Abe Lincoln like this is what the first lady was supposed to do but people at these parties didn't like talking to her as much now that she was the first lady they were like no you're a hellcat you need to shut your mouth (laughs) they did not like it she they were like you don't get to talk politics with me you're supposed to smile and wave oh my gosh so it was really uncomfortable um 
at one of her famous business dinner parties, she doesn't show up. She stays upstairs. Come to find out, her 12-year-old son, Willie, was very, very sick and dying <gasps> in the White House. She was, he passes away. She's inconsolable for three weeks. This is her second son to die oh of Oh, my four. gosh. She never went in his room again. And the press had the nerve to complain that we were at war. Mothers are losing sons everywhere. You can't stop having parties when we need them most. <laughs> and I'm sure if she kept having them, they'd be like, wow, this is a time of war. You shouldn't be having frivolous parties. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the whole thing about especially being the first lady. It's like you're going to get shit either way. How can a mom not mourn? Her fucking 12-year-old son just died. That's horrible. I couldn't, but like, the news, the newspaper should not be allowed to say things like that. It's no, so bad. it's so awful. But her best friend dressmaker, Elizabeth Keckley, is there to cry it out with her and support her. And it's said that every Thursday, Abe Lincoln would lock himself in Willie's bedroom and cry. Get oh. it out, and then, like, be done. <clears throat> so, Mary starts to become really involved with spiritualism. Um, and at this point in American history, there are more spiritualists in the country than abolitionists. Wow. So it's like very popular, mostly because everybody's dying at war. Um, and she starts telling people that she can see Willie's ghost walking around the White House. And she would like run into rooms excitedly and be like, I just saw Willie. I just talked to Willie, which was her 12 year old son that died. Even um, President Grant's staff set claim to have seen Willie like okay. afterwards um and the White House is notoriously haunted Abigail Adams does laundry there on a regular <gasps> basis Ooh. Winston Churchill um saw Abe Lincoln and just lit his cigar um some people say that Andrew Jackson's laying in the Rose Room just on a bed cursing like I don't know it's very haunted the White House many people have seen ghosts of many old presidents there okay and i mean i'd imagine they've all done terrible things yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it started to get to mary she wants to see her son again and that's, yeah it's it's not out of the question like she just wants to get in touch with like i guess even because back then it wasn't even like you had pictures of your kids to remember them by you yeah. want to like remember their face you want to talk to somebody who can talk you through it i feel like spiritualism was almost therapy in a way yeah and I feel like it's kind of like your grief manifesting in an actual real way because you don't have any outlet for it. Right. She had no one to talk to because everybody's just like, you're a crazy woman. Get over it. Yeah. So it's really sad for her. Yeah. Um, so then shortly after, Mary's traveling and gets in a carriage accident that could have been an assassination attempt. I'm not <laughs> sure. But she ends up with a severe head injury oh, from this. No. And Mary had always suffered from headaches, but from this point forward, she had severe migraines <gasps> that would incapacitate her. <sighs> and there was a big personality change, like oh, Henry no. VIII style. <gasps> She's going to go off the deep end. Also, after birthing her fourth son, Tad, she had had vaginal issues from that point forward and constant UTIs. Oh, no. So she's never feeling good, oh. ever. Many historians have come to the conclusion that Mary suffered from being bipolar um, because of her history of mood swings, fierce temper, public outbursts. There's another theory that she suffered from a severe depression um, because of like these other emotional and physical symptoms they're talking about, or maybe like this really bad anemia that was like, she had less red blood cells than a normal person. 
Um, and some people just say it was personal trauma because her mom and two of her sons died. Mm -hmm. After this, she decides, I'm going to organize a salon in the White House. It's for mostly men. And they come over and talk about politics. She actually invited the first African-American men to the White House as guests. Wow. Um, and rumors start flying about infidelity. Because, like, why would a woman <laughs> talk to men unless she wants to have sex oh with them? Oh, my gosh. Um, Abe does get elected for a second term. Um, and that's the first time in a while that's happened. It's been like four years, four years, four years, four years. Yeah. So he gets elected for a second time. Um, and Abraham Lincoln has this dream. He and Mary are both very superstitious. Abraham Lincoln has this dream that he won't survive his second term. So <gasps> she goes out and buys a morning dress, a black no. morning dress. Yeah. Fuck. So there's this big battle and the union wins and Abe's so excited he's like I'm gonna go visit the troops honey you want to come and she's like you go ahead I'll meet you there so he gets there she gets there a little slower he's on a horse she's in a carriage she gets there and Abe is like talking to this other woman completely innocently and she gets out of her carriage and kirks out in front of everyone in front of the soldiers the generals his staff the military so embarrassing for both of them and it's like another time when it's like you're taking this big win this like war win and just like a dramatizing it and people just constantly rag on her for that well and it sucks because it sounds like a classic symptom of like bipolar Jealousy. or yeah. but or like you know borderline personality disorder yes. when yeah. like it's like you're actually having something going on in your brain but nobody will help you so then you are having this big public meltdown and like if she was getting regular help that wouldn't maybe that wouldn't have happened yeah. and like i just and feel she was even embarrassed about it the rest yeah. of the trip she just like played with her son off like by a river because she didn't want anyone to see her because she felt so bad she was like i made myself and my husband look so stupid in front of all these people yeah so she's just upset as the war ended, Mary's like, I cannot wait to be the first lady in a nation at peace because they hadn't done that yet. So on April 9th, 1865, Robert E. Lee surrenders to Ulysses S. Grant. The morning papers carry an announcement that the president and his wife will be attending the theater for the evening. Oh, my God. So a couple days later, they ride around all morning in the carriage talking about their future. We should go to Europe after <sighs> this four years is up. We should do this. We should do that. When we go back to Illinois to live in our house, this is what we want to do to it. And at one point, Mary has this really bad headache and wants to stay home. But Lincoln's like, no, the papers already said we were coming. Like, we have to go. So they get dressed up. They're a little late to the play, which, by the way, Jeopardy question. Our American cousin is the name of the play. That comes up in a lot of trivia games. What play was Lincoln at when he got shot? Our American Cousins, the name of the oh, play. Oh, Our American Cousins. You're welcome, everybody. Yeah. The next time you're you playing that. Trivial Pursuit, it's Our American Cousins. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that question in 17 board games. <laughs> I'm like, I know the answer. <laughs> okay. When he gets to the play with Mary, all 1,700 people stand up and sing Hail to the Chief, which I didn't know it had words. I thought it was just like, right? What are the words? Hail to the Chief. He is so tall and dandy. Perfect. There we go. Is he a Yankee doodle dandy? No. No. Okay. You can only be that if you're from New York. Oh, I guess. Right. And we don't even know where he's from. 
so they're at Ford's Theater, which is obviously still there. You can visit it. Plaques outside. Um, during the third act, the president and Mary drew closer together. They were holding hands, which was like an odd display of affection for formal they're people. They're like, well, get a room. <gasps> they're like cuddling. And five minutes later, after they're like all cuddly, it's 10.15. John Wilkes Booth, who was a famous actor, which is why he could walk around. People oh, forget that. I didn't know he that. He was a famous stage actor, so he could just kind of walk around the theater, and nobody thought anything nobody thought it was weird. of it. They're like, oh, okay, John's here tonight. Like, okay, that's weird. Like, he's not in the show tonight, but sure, why not? So he walks into, you know, the booth, the top booth, um, and shoots Abraham Lincoln, the president, in the back of the head, and he slumps onto Mary's lap. So it's very JFK, like, I'm oh right here God. holding my husband. She then accompanied, he didn't immediately die, she accompanied her mortally wounded husband across the street to the Peterson house, which also still there is a beautiful 19th century row home directly across the street. Lincoln's cabinet is summoned, except for William Seward, who had been attacked earlier that evening by someone else. And oh, my some, gosh. Some people think that Booth had, like, this group of people, and they were going to try to attack all of them at once. Yeah. But I don't know. I didn't research that because that's not Mary's life. Mary's oldest son, Robert, sat with Abe and her throughout the night. But the Secretary of War had to, like, escort Mary from the room because she's unhinged. She's, I'm like, sure. crying and freaking out. And I'm sure, like, death is the biggest trigger for her of I like mean, i can't have another person in she my lost life her die. mom and her two sons two of her four sons like oh. she's falling apart president lincoln remained in a coma for approximately nine hours and died at seven twenty-two a.m at 56 years old mm. shortly before seven mary was allowed to return in to see him and it's reported that she kissed him and called him every endearing name but as he died, his breathing grew quieter, and they say that his face grew calm. And after being a president at war, they say this was the first time in four years that he ever looked calm. <sighs> he was the first president assassinated in office. She did not go to the funeral because she just couldn't get herself together. She did not accept guests coming to wish her well. Um, for the month following his death, people said that she was more dead than alive, mm. and she wore her black mourning dress for the rest of her life. Mary received letters from heads of state all over the world, and she attempted to answer each of them personally. To Queen Victoria, she wrote, I have received the letter which your majesty has had the kindness to write. I'm deeply grateful for this expression of tender sympathy coming, as they do, from a woman which from its own sorrow can appreciate the intense grief I now endure. Albert had died just four years earlier. As a widow, Miss Lincoln returned to Illinois and lived in Chicago with her two sons. Um, she pissed them off, all of Illinois, by not burying Abe where they wanted him buried. They had, without asking her, built this huge monument with all this money. Oh, no. And... Now that she's also not the first lady, all the debt collectors come calling. She oh, had to fuck. give back the jewelry. She had to sell all her clothes and like this <laughs> yard sale. She did have $70,000 in savings, which is a shit ton of money oh, back then. Oh, my God. But it went to her oldest son when Abe died. No. And not her. So she had nothing. <gasps> 
And I mean, she was a bad shopper. She did buy 84 pairs of gloves for the oh inauguration. Oh my God, 84. <laughs> like, how do you, that's more than Mariah Carey for her episode of Cribs. <laughs> that's more than I would buy in a lifetime. I know. But she also starts reaching out and creates the Mary Lincoln Fund, the first GoFundMe page ever, <laughs> to try to get people to like give her money to help with these debts because yeah. she can't get you know, Lincoln's money. Then the biggest betrayal, her best friend, Elizabeth Keckley published a book called behind the scenes, 30 years, a slave, four years in the white house. And at the time it's a huge violation of friendship. Even the public is like, what the fuck? You can't do that because Elizabeth published letters that Mary had written to her in the book. Today, historians are, like, super fucking thankful because they're like, this is the only reason we understand the personalities of Mary and Abe Lincoln. But back then, it was just so bad. Well, and in poor taste, I'm sure is what people thought. It's super in poor taste. But so many people were like, yeah, but several motion pictures and, like, TV miniseries are based solely off of this book. Without it, it, we wouldn't have had any of this history. Congress then decided they were going to provide Mary with a pension because she went in and fought for it. She goes, no, all the wives of dead military men get pensions. Why don't I get a pension? Like, it doesn't make any sense. So they gave her a pension of $3,000 a year, which at that point in 2020 money, that's $61,397. Okay, pretty good. Good money. Then she's going through all this. And Thomas, who she calls Tad, her 18-year-old son dies. No. Her 18-year-old son, Tad, dies. And she goes into a huge bout of grief and depression. I'm sure. Three sons. So now and it's only Robert left. Now Robert. That's it. Robert's the only person left. Only one. And her best friend just portrayed her. Right. So, like, she literally has no one. Yeah. Everything's falling apart. <sighs> and she can't live in the home she lived in with her husband and where her son died. And she doesn't want to be at the house in Illinois. She never lived there again because all it was memories with Abe. Um, Her surviving son is a rising lawyer in Chicago, and he's alarmed at his mother's erratic behavior. Um, So she goes on this trip at one point and then freaks out, becomes convinced that her son is deathly ill, and rushes home to Chicago to find him in good health. And then she's visiting this other place, and she's on a train and is convinced that somebody put poison in her tea and that somebody stole her purse. Um, She's becoming, like, super paranoid. She spends a ton of money all the time. She sews all of her war bonds in the underskirt of her dress because she's super scared of going into poverty. Um, And then she visits this spiritualist again, the photographer William mumler and he produces this amazing photograph of her with abe lincoln behind her i've seen these photos they're insane they're insane and they're so cool now it's obviously just double exposure yeah on these pictures um unless you want to believe it was actually the ghost of abe lincoln which you are entitled to believe that um but it's just like she is so trying to like be in touch with all these people in her life that died and it's making her oldest son, Robert, who's super logical and a man and has all his dad's money think that she's going crazy. So what do you do when you think your mom has gone crazy? 
you send police to her house, have her put on trial, oh my and put in an asylum. Oh my god! So I'm getting such like Beauty and the Beast vibes it's, when they're like, Maurice is crazy, uh-huh. and she's like, it's a beast with bangs. And you're like, no, I saw it. I, yeah. I saw it too. Oh my gosh, poor Mary Todd. So she goes on trial. And she's like, oh, so all those months when I was on a train and I thought people were following me, they actually were. They were collecting evidence to say that she was crazy. (laughs) She's like, so you're proving I'm crazy, but I'm not actually crazy because it happened. (laughs) You were actually following me on that train. Like there were people sent to follow me. Oh, my God. Um, After the court proceedings she's so despondent that she attempts to take her own life oh no she runs to all these pharmacies to try to buy laudanum they all can recognize her and don't sell it to her and then this one pharmacist finally sells it to her but it's a placebo it's sugar water oh three months after being committed she devises her escape she smuggles letters to like this lawyer and his wife who's a female lawyer at the time uh, and that's a cool huge feminist. okay and um, her son, Robert, says he's so annoyed because his mother is acting sane. <laughs> okay, what do you want? Okay, <laughs> what do you want from her? How do you get out of the asylum if you're not Jesus. acting sane? <laughs> so the feminist female lawyer goes to Robert and is like, you think you're the only one who can run a smear campaign, honey, honey? <laughs> I can find some shit on you, and I have time on my hands Mm. so if you don't want to be embarrassed in the chicago times you better go and testify that your mom's not insane you fucker she got him she got him got him him good (laughs) (laughs) so um as she tries to call you know his character under the microscope or whatever she gets released she gets put in her sister's custody, which is the one she lived with originally. Okay. She ends up getting the money that she should. She's estranged from her son, obviously, until Ugh. shortly before her death. Um, and then she's like, you know what? We talked about, this is very Rose Dawson of her. We talked about doing things. You know what? I'm going to fucking do things. So she just takes the money and goes to Europe. There she's she like, goes. She's like, I'm going to go. I'd rather live among strangers than among my enemies. Uh, love it. There she goes. Yeah. Beautiful. Again. Um, and she's in Frankfurt for four years, living in an expat community where she's having like this great life. Then she comes up with a residence in France. Her final years in France, though, are marked by declining health. Um, she gets these severe cataracts. And because Ooh. she can't see very well, she's suffering from these falls. So she comes home and has to live at her sister's house again. Exactly 11 years after the death of her youngest son, she collapses with a stroke and lapses into a coma. She died the next morning at the age of 63. There are many biographies that have been written about her, including The Emancipator's Wife, which gives context for her over-the-counter drug use. There's one called Mary Colon, Miss A. Lincoln, about her post-asylum life. There's one called Grief, about widowhood and the immense losses in her life. But only recently have people begun to talk about her with any sort of grace. Most of her history has been Mary Todd Lincoln, the first lady that was crazy, the first lady that went nuts, the first lady that believed in ghosts. She was always like the nut job. Um, And she's been portrayed as as that in many movies, in some television shows that have won Emmys. Um, And the question then leads to ask, like, 
Was she a trailblazer? Was she the worst first lady? Was she the best first lady? What if she was a man? Would any of that have happened because she would have been so ambitious? But the reason I named the cocktail, there was a 2005 album that came out called Illinois, and there is a line that says, a short reprise for Mary Todd, who went insane, but for good reason. Is that by Sufjan Stevens? Yeah. I love that album. For good reason. Yeah. And that's oh, the name of the cocktail. One insane, wonderful. but really for fucking good reason. For good reason. <laughs> like, like, come on. <laughs> that's her story. That was amazing. What a cool lady. And, and a, a really misunderstood lady. Yes. Let's be clear. Who, like, could have really thrived in modern times. Yeah. That's what makes me sad. Is like, people who, like needed something extra that literally just wasn't available to them. She was born in the wrong time. Yeah, she really was. She was smart. She was politically savvy. She needed some mental health care. She needed, like, like, But literally, who doesn't? Right. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. Exactly, exactly. exactly. And then also, of her six family members five of them died in front of her face it's so horrible no and then having the new and most of them publicly and the newspapers just dragging you through the mud while you're trying to mourn she's so misunderstood yeah Mm. incredible so mary todd lincoln the float is of the season there she is (laughs) all right well we're gonna get more drinks i'm so ready and we're off to soviet russia Did you know that Elvis once showed up to the White House high as a kite with a bunch of guns? Did you know that Eleanor Roosevelt once had a romantic relationship with a lesbian reporter? Hi, we're Stephanie. And Tux. From Beyond Reproach, a comedic history podcast where we talk about political scandals like how FDR's grandfather made the family fortune smuggling dope. And messy government officials like President Johnson, who named his dick Jumbo and would wave it around at people on Capitol Hill. Gross. (laughs) And we do it all while drinking period-appropriate historic cocktails, like JFK's favorite, the lime daiquiri we are not historians we're just a couple of drunks who never shut up and love history we hope you'll join us on beyond reproach for some big facts good laughs a little bit of swearing a lot of drinking and a real good time you can find beyond reproach wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts (laughs) we are back we're back for part two Misty 16. Which is going to be out of this world. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. In outer space. <laughs> My goodness. Okay. What am I drinking? It looks so delicious. I love an orange peel. Is it supposed to be the sunshine? It is supposed to be the sunshine. Um, so this is called Chaika Sweetheart. <laughs> wow. Is that where she's from? No, Chaika is seagull. In Russian, and we'll figure out why. Oh my gosh, we're being so mysterious with our cocktail titles. Okay, okay. So really, seagull sweetheart, if you (laughs) translate it, which isn't as nice. (laughs) Shaika sweetheart is much nicer. Um, So this is two ounces of vanilla vodka, an ounce of blackberry liqueur, half an ounce of coffee liqueur, and orange bitters, and you garnish it with a lemon wheel, and just kind of like spritz a little bit of lemon on top. Um, Are you a hero? um, I try. (laughs) Um, So I wanted to kind of nod to famous Russian cocktails. You know, like obviously there has to be vodka in it. I was thinking of like a white Russian has coffee liqueur, Mm -hmm. but I wanted hers to be unique and surpass 
anything that would be stereotypically Russian. Perfect. So cheers. Cheers. Oh, it's so good. It's actually really good. <laughs> I really, really like it. Okay, so I taste the vanilla. I I feel like I don't taste the coffee at all. Almost. I'm getting coffee. Are you? Mm-hmm. Just a little bit though. It almost Oh, at the back. Okay. But it almost it. turns the coffee into <laughs> chocolate because I think it's mixing with like fruit. Right. It's turning it That's into right. like more of a chocolate flavor. Fair. Which my, is nice. My palate's <laughs> off. But also <laughs> But that's kind of what I wanted. It was like something that was like, this doesn't seem to go together. Because that's what they were thinking about Valentina. Like, women in space don't go together. Right. You know? And, like, I was thinking, like, coffee liqueur is meant in, like, creamy drinks. Like, espresso martinis and white Russians. I mean, and I was it like, really is. You know what? I'm going to put it in something that, like, normally it wouldn't be together with, like, citrus and, you know, blackberry. Well, it almost <laughs> looks like dark red. Yeah. The mm-hmm. cocktail. Because Very of red. all the things. <laughs> Um, what do you know about valentina okay so i know that she was the first woman in outer space Mm -hmm. um and that she was russian Mm -hmm. and that russian astronauts are not called astronauts um (laughs) and that is all and i know like obviously she's going up i don't know when she's going up so like so Mae Jameson is the first black woman. She went up in the 90s. Mm-hmm. I wish I knew the date Sally Ride went up. But she Sa- was in like the 80s. And Sally Ride's not even. Either the, 80s or 90s. She's not even like the second woman. No. She, she's like the first American. First American like several woman. Russians ahead. Yeah. Okay. So that's all I know. I don't know anything about her life. Okay. Her story. All I know is I see her in orange and I know that she went to outer space before any other female ever yes okay perfect so i got a lot of this information from an rt documentary on youtube and its history video and wikipedia there isn't too much on her because i think most of it's probably in russian because she is crazy famous over there super (laughs) russian she's She's our sally ride Ride. she really (laughs) she is she's the sally ride of russia so i'm sure there's a lot more over there um so i do apologize if i get some stuff wrong because some of like the order of things or like the reasoning behind things kind of gets muddled i think in the translation i don't know how many russian people are listening to this podcast probably none some ukrainians Um, though they could tell us yeah maybe some belarusians yeah latvia Um, estonia sure lithuania let us know Exactly. So if you know more about her, let me know. Um, but yeah, but those are my sources. Um, okay. Valentina Vladimirovna Tereshkova. I'm trying really hard with my Russian pronunciations. So beautiful. <laughs> Was born on March 6th, 1937. <laughs> That's Caroline's birthday! I know! <laughs> wow. In the Bolshoi, uh, Maslenikovo, uh, which is a village on the Volga River. Her, oh, that's mm-hmm. like the longest river in Russia. Mm-hmm. Her parents had migrated from Belarus. Uh, her mother, Yelena, was a milkmaid. And her father, Vladimir um, Tereshkov, was a former tractor driver. I mean, the cutest, <sighs> the cutest Come careers. <laughs> Yelena and Vladimir. Come now. <laughs> a milkmaid and a tractor driver. They're adorable. Um, and he was a sergeant in command of a tank in the Soviet army. Wow. But unfortunately... When Valentina was just two years old, her father died in the Finnish Winter War during World War II. Wow. And, like, Russia really, like, killed it. I they know. Were like they good were crushing at it. They were, like, really good at crushing it. Crushing it. So, uh, 
her father died and she is only two. So like she doesn't remember. She doesn't really remember, but it had a big effect on her family because this left her mother alone with three young children. I don't know the birth order, but I'm guessing Valentina was the youngest. Um, So according to Valentina, the government allotted 50 rubles per child to help support the grieving widow since the breadwinner is gone. Um, But speaking of bread, (laughs) a loaf of bread cost 200 rubles during war times. So she couldn't even afford a loaf of bread with just the money that they gave her. For the kids. (laughs) To help support her family. At least it's really cold. Like, it won't go bad super fast. (laughs) Although Russia's huge. It could have been warm where she was. Like, what the hell? They gave her 150. She couldn't even buy a loaf of bread with the entire stipend that she got from the government. Not even one loaf of bread. I mean, the inflation, terrible. Horrible. So um, after the war, um, her mother moved the family to Yaroslavl, um, seeking better employment opportunity. And she became employed at the Krasny Prokop cotton mill. She grew up kind of on the wrong side of the tracks. <laughs> but as meant, she got to watch the trains all day and she loved them because <laughs> it was like the only fun thing to do in <laughs> Yaroslavl. Um, so <laughs> she just would sit there for like hours and hours and watch the trains go by. And she just was like, this is the biggest thing I've ever seen. So she dreamed the biggest thing she could at the time. She was like, I want to be a train conductor when I grow up. It is that was literally the biggest thing she could see. It is so stem of her. <laughs> to be so like, stem? So stem She's of like, her. She's like, I want to ride those pistons. I love um, a train. <laughs> what, an, wait, what an internal combustion engine. I know. <laughs> I love it. And she just had this idea. She was like, that train conductor must be the happiest person in the world. Because in her mind, she's like, he gets to be on this giant machine and just go wherever he wants, which is like, okay, I mean, it's on a schedule. So like he can't go wherever he wants on a little track. (laughs) But she was like, I feel stuck. And this person gets to go places, you know, like in her mind, that is the end goal. So she knew she needed an education to reach her end goal. So she studied hard, but when she was in seventh grade, she had to drop out and go to work and support the household. Um, so she went off to work in a tire factory and later a weaving mill, uh, but she was determined. So she continued her education via correspondence and graduated when she was 17. Good for her. I know. Distance um, learning much? Yeah. <laughs> so some sources said that Like, she did the correspondence school later. Some said she did it at this time. So I don't know exactly the timeline. Um, But then she attended a trade school, and she became a technician in 1960. I don't know what kind of technician, but just a technician. (laughs) So I'm guessing that, like, if she's going in these weaving mills and stuff, she was able to fix the machines. Good for her. So, but when she was in her 20s, another activity caught her eye. She saw these people jumping from great heights and coming down softly and slowly. It was a parachute club. So she was like, I want to do that again. Just seeing the next biggest thing that she could see and be like, that looks incredible. So she joined immediately and made her first jump on May 21st, 1959 at the age of 22. And she fell head over heels. I mean, same girl. (laughs) In love with parachuting. Um, But she knew that her family wouldn't approve, so she kept it a secret from them, even when she was, like, in 
parachute competitions. Like she was a competitive Stop. skydiver. Stop it. How do you competitively skydive and no one knows? I don't know. That's crazy. They're like, how was your day at the weaving mill? And she was like, it was great. So fun. I had a blast um (laughs) she was also very involved in her communist party she joined the local um komsalal the communist youth league in yaroslavl serving as the secretary of the organization in 1960 and 61 um but another thing was happening in 1961 yuri gargren became the first human to go into outer space and Nikolai Kamenin, the director of the Soviet space program, didn't just want to beat the Americans in getting to space. He wanted to smash like every space record. Yeah. So he we was like, already got up okay. there Sputnik. Yeah. So he was like, okay, perfect. We've got him in space. Perfect. But you know what? I want to go even further. I don't want to just put the first man in space. I want to put the first, first I want to put the first woman in space. I mean, how forward thinking of him? <laughs> <laughs> I love all this spite. Okay. <laughs> I love how much you hate them that you're like willing to give women a chance. Like literally willing to put aside like your sexist views um, <laughs> for just, your country. Just, just to piss off <laughs> America. Because um, <laughs> he kind of started hearing rumblings that they were like the U.S. was looking for female pilots to put into space. And he was, uh-uh. He literally said, quote, we cannot allow that the first um, woman in space be American. I mean, this literally don't worry guys. Li- yeah. It's going to be <laughs> fine. And we're not anywhere close. He said, this would be an insult to the patriotic feelings of Soviet women. <laughs> now let's be clear. He wrote that in private publicly. Um, he was like, no, like it's not that we like want to beat America. He's like, I just want to know what space does to the uterus. <laughs> I mean, it's all for science. Great research. It's wonderful. Good research. Do you ovulate? Who knows? Can you get pregnant in space? I would love to know. I would imagine. How does your period work? Does it just float around? I'm sorry, everyone. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Someone call me and let me know. (laughs) All the astronauts who listen to this, can you? I would love that. Um. So before they even start training other men to go into space, they decide that they need to recruit and train five women to go into space. But of course, they define the women first. (laughs) So the rules require that the potential cosmonaut be a parachutist under 30 years of age, less than five foot seven in height, no more than 154 pounds in weight, and either have 200 flight hours, like if they were a pilot, or... 50 jumps if they were a parachutist. Shit, I fit everything but the last thing. I don't fit any of them, so. <laughs> I'm so close. Except for number 30. So, oh, oh, you're no, not I'm under not 30. Everybody. And neither of us could go. Damn it. Very unfortunate. Um, So. <laughs> Why do I still think I'm under 30? That's a problem. Yeah, I'm, you I'm need like, to get help. I'm coming up on 30 and a half. <laughs> 30 and a half. Yeah, like 35. Oh. That's halfway to 30. Halfway to 40, right? 30 and a half. I was like, your 31st birthday is not six months away, you psycho. <laughs> yeah, I'm turning 35 in two months. Uh, I'll be 28. I love that. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Seven okay. days after your wedding or whatever. So, 
<laughs> Valentina fit all of that criteria, and she not only had 50 jumps under her belt, she had 90. She Damn. was a well-experienced skydiver. That's 40 over. Mm-hmm. She was also super communist, so, like, even more points for Valentina. Red, red, red. <laughs> Everywhere the red. She's like, I'll dye my hair red if you want me to. I'll go full Lucille Ball. Uh, Tango red for days. Um, so <laughs> in 1962, she was selected as one of the five women out of 5,000 that like applied to become a cosmonaut. But it was a secret program. So she couldn't tell anyone, not even her mother. Well, that's okay. Her mom didn't know she was a parachuting woman. She didn't know. She, so she still thinks that she's just hanging out at the fucking tire factory. <laughs> her um, mom's like, I'm a milkmaid. Yeah. My daughter makes tires. Everything's fine. But it was literally the point where, like, the radio was like, and there she goes, Valentina Tereshkova, the first woman in space. And her cousin was like, Guys, that's my fucking cousin. And they're like, shut up. No, you're lying. And she's like, I promise you, I have a cousin, Valentina Tereshkova. That's her in space. And they're like, shut up. You're lying. Like, come on. Um, yeah, because she couldn't tell anyone. Well, who looks dumb now? Yeah. <laughs> Idiots. Um, guess who's in a YouTube documentary now? That cousin. <laughs> Good for that cousin. I love her. So <laughs> I love her. I want to be her. Well. So no, I don't. She like lives on a goat farm in russia <laughs> so it gets cold there 18 months a year way too cold 18 months a year <laughs> i said it exactly right you heard it here first so she shipped off to the training center and began her basic training and then after her basic training they had to undergo a much more specific and ruthless space training regime which included isolation <laughs> tests After her basic training they did her extra training <laughs> yeah exactly this training was so fucking extra it was unbelievable <laughs> um that training had zero chill <laughs> <laughs> so she did isolation tests centrifuge tests which is the one where they like whip you around yeah, like the Gravitron. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so they did Gravitron, been there, done that. I could be a spaceman. Listen, I've been to the state um, fair. <laughs> like more than once. Uh, they did thermo chamber test, decompression chamber testing. Don't know what any of that is. Recovery at sea training, pilot training in MIG 15 say, UTI jet fighters, which is like, can I have that UTI instead of the one I have now? Please <laughs> and thank God, you. Decompression <laughs> is like coming up from the water right who knows right when you come up from scuba diving and they have to like decompress Mm. you in that chamber that's Mm -hmm. decompression but why outer space doing that because i imagine that like same amount of pressure weirdness i would imagine there's a pressure change in going from like zero gravity to full gravity okay or some gravity i don't know what amount of gravity we have probably all of it but no we have a specific number we win we win for the most gravity <laughs> no um, that's also not true <laughs> misty Benz is sobbing i can tell you that's not true <laughs> okay who has more gravity than us tell me now all i know is when you go to the science center in new york you get to stand on different <gasps> scales and it tells you how much you weigh on each planet and i know i weigh more in some places so there's more gravity other planets no way yes. that's crazy isn't that fun though okay i do but like I that. did take a picture of myself standing on like the moon gravity where i was like 11 pounds and i was like my goal weight that's sick <laughs> i know because like that makes a joke out of anorexia which is not funny but no like, i thought it was funny <laughs> at the time. god um, to be a child um i was like 30 <laughs> no i 
I was like 27 and I was like, I, I'm so light here. I'm going to the moon. Um, and I just want to be clear. This was not a special training program for women. They were undergoing the very same training as the men and it was physically and mentally grueling. Excellent. She also began studying at the Zavosky Air Force Engineering Academy. Um, did she ever drive a train though? I need to know. No, I know. She was like, oh, that's all I want to do. And they won't <laughs> let me. They're making <laughs> me go to space. Once they were done their training, they were offered the opportunity to be commissioned as regular air force officers. And, you know, they were like, I don't know, should we do this? And, the other male cosmonauts who were with them, because obviously they're not alone in this training program, you know, they were like, look, hey, boy, hey, you definitely want to do that because if you're officially part of the military, they'll have a harder time getting rid of you once your flight is over because like they could just like ditch you when this mission is done and be like, OK, we got the woman in space. Get out of here. And they're like, but if you're part of the military, they can't do that as easily. Good for these boys. Um, Love them. I just want to give a shout out to them because it was really good advice. And it was like just really nice of them to be looking out for the girls because they didn't have to do that. That's what you do with your co-ed classmates. (laughs) Please do. It was just kind of like because this was literally there had been no women in this space before. And they could have been like. Yeah. In this space. Space. In this space and that space and all the space so i just think it's really nice that they were like look like this is going to be better for you in the future and it actually was so good good for them um all five women became junior lieutenants in the air force in december 1962 but only one was gonna be the first woman in space and to many people's surprise it was valentina she was one of the only women with no formal education and she beat out women that were, like, pilots and mathematicians and, like, the people who you would expect to be. Was she cuter than the other ones? Well, according to rumor. <laughs> Nikita, I heard a rumor. Nikita Khrushchev, the leader of the Soviet Union, picked her personally. Because she's Russian. Because she fits something called the executive profile. She was a poor woman from a peasant family who worked in factories her whole life. She supported communism and represented, like, the every person of Russia. You know how when Simon Cowell's like, you don't have the it. Yeah, she had the it. She had the it. She had the it and the everyone. You know, he was just like, this is a person who, like, people can look at and say, like, I am her. I also work in a factory. Like, I could also go to outer space. I also love trains. So I think that she was just, like. a good cumulus cloud out there. There are very nice clouds. We've had a lot of good clouds this week. Mm. Um, because it's been the worst weather of all time. I've never been to outer space, though. No, and I don't wish to go. To be honest with you, if I had a chance, I probably wouldn't go. I would go if it wasn't $35 million. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'd, I mean, come on. Yeah. You come know on. I would go. You yeah. know I would go. I probably <laughs> wouldn't. I'm really terrified of space. That's okay. Um, um, once it's common, it'll be fine. Yeah. So um, so this was kind. Of, this is kind of like a rumor going around that she kind of like – was like a poster child for like a regular ass Russian woman. Mm. Um, She's like blue collar. Yeah, exactly. Blue collar Valentina. Yeah. Um, it'd be like sending like Jeff Foxworthy to space. Um, Mike Rowe. Just kidding. There. <laughs> <laughs> but most likely, um, like the reason that people mo- mainly give is that like one of the most difficult aspects of the flight and one of the pieces they were most worried about was 
the pod and the person returning to Earth safely. Wait, so she's going alone? Yeah. What the fuck? That's terrifying. Oh, I know. We'll get into her uh, space capsule. <gasps> um, because what was going to happen is like she is going to be ejected alone from this capsule at 20,000 feet or like four miles above the ground. Not doing it. And no. they were like, we need to go with the best parachuter. The person who has the most skydiving experience. Okay. She had that. She had that, which she makes had 90 sense. Times. She she <laughs> went so much. But you know, like they needed someone who had been skydiving in the worst situations and was like, okay, like I know exactly what to do when I'm headed for a fucking lake. Like I know I need to pull the strings this way and that way. Right. So but I think also skydiving, if you're a really good skydiver, it also shows precision because you have to pack your own parachute. They always tell skydivers, you pack your own parachute because if you are concerned with your own death, you'll pack it correctly. You don't get lazy. Oh, fuck. Yeah. You don't get lazy That's very interesting. if you're packing your own parachute. So it's like, I feel like if she's going 90 times, then they know that she's done it right. Yeah. 90 times. Yep. So on June 16th. 1963 she got on a bus went to the launch site peed on the tire of the bus which apparently is a tradition set by yori that's so cool and i love a girl peeing outside like a weirdo love um because i can't so uh, kudos for her oh my god i did it during covid at all my friends houses like <sighs> early on we would like sit outside far away from each other and we would like it was early on, so we were, like, uncomfortable asking to go in each other's houses, so we would just, like, pee in their yards. That sounds so much more unhygienic. I, it was so <laughs> weird and terrible, and I'm so glad that's over. Yeah, really. But the Delta variant. <sighs> so. And then she climbed into the Vostok 6. So Which the Vostok like triangle. Mm-hmm. So the Vostok 5 had already been launched, and that was carrying male cosmonaut Valerie um, Bikovsky. And so he, this was a dual mission. So he had gone up two days earlier and two days he's by himself up there. Oh yeah. Absurd. So he was going around and then she would be launched in and they would be circumnavigating the globe together, but separate in their own spacecrafts. (laughs) And these spacecrafts are so (laughs) tiny. I can't, I can't. There's no, is she the third person ever in space? I don't know that because I don't know. Did Glenn get there? Yes. Glenn got there. Like, I think like very shortly after you, American boy. Yes. Other Russian boy. Now her. Yep. Okay. I'm pretty sure. So these spacecrafts are so tiny. They are seven feet wide. Shit. And you are, there's no like getting out of your seat and eating space ice cream. You're strapped into your seat the entire time just in this tiny ass capsule. Like with a diaper on, right? Yeah. I can't even imagine. That sounds horrible. For multiple days peeing yeah. and pooping on your body, yep. your own floating body. And she gets launched into space. And apparently, she said this in an interview. She goes, and I was yelling, hey, Sky, take your hat off. I'm on my way. (laughs) (laughs) Which I love her for. Wow. Take your goddamn hat off. I'm going to say that while I'm coming down the aisle. Take your hat off. I'm on my way. <laughs> to get married. Finally. Um, <laughs> been so long. <laughs> I'm adding that into the speech I'm saying at the wedding, by the way. 
hat off. Um, take your hat off. So she gets launched into space, becoming the first woman, still the youngest woman, and the only woman ever to go on a solo trip to space. Everyone else has been with other people. She's literally Damn. in this capsule all by herself. Well, because this is dangerous as fuck. It's so dangerous. <laughs> and uh, so, again, her relatives find out on the radio because they do have a radio to communicate with her. And she decides that her radio name, I don't know why she needs one because she's one of two people out in space. So I Pink Lady. Chica. Oh, AKA Seagull. Because she's flying. Seagull. All right. Could have picked a more majestic bird or something. Hummingbird. The Chica. And she's. Flamingo. <laughs> And she's radioing back that everything is great. She's like, it's wonderful. It's a thin blue line. Classic. She's like, this is so great. I'm doing awesome. And Nikita Khrushchev couldn't be happier. He says, I feel like a proud Leninist father. And (laughs) the whole country is just overjoyed at this successful mission. And she said, it is I, Seagull. Everything is fine. I see the horizon. It's a sky blue with a dark strip. How beautiful the earth is. Everything is going well. But what they weren't reporting was that she was super nauseous, passing out frequently. And they were actually pretty worried about her because the Trika was not responding to all the radio signals because she was passing out because <laughs> it's really difficult to be launched into space in a Hershey's kiss. So (laughs) this was an automatic space shuttle, thankfully. So she didn't have to like man this ship on her own. She didn't have to pilot it. And after she orbited the earth 48 times and spent two days, 22 hours and 50 minutes in space. That's almost three days in space alone, alone in a capsule peeing your pants she was pretty ready to come back to earth yo why can't they even put in a catheter or something i don't know maybe they did maybe they did and i just don't know about it that would make more sense no, i don't think so they don't do that to astronauts now really they make them wear diapers on the way oh up God. and back you can once you're up there on the international space station, you can take your diaper off yeah and then it just floats fecal matter floats <laughs> picture it love it um so after Almost three days, she is coming back in. She ejects out of her little space pod four miles above the ground, (laughs) and it's not a super smooth landing. She's, again, headed towards a lake. Like I said that earlier because that's actually what happened. She's headed towards a lake. She's like, oh, my fucking God, I can't do that. And so she's trying. She's maneuvering. She does land safely somewhere in the Siberian wilderness near Kazakhstan. (laughs) Some local peasants find her <laughs> help her out of her spacesuit i'm worried about the tigers only. and bring her potatoes they're like let us feed you you alien woman <laughs> and then this is like this, this is gonna be on ancient aliens the show like yeah two thousand years from now they'll be like no this woman landed in a triangle shaped machine in a pod um (laughs) and there are cave paintings of it and so she's just so thankful to these people and like she's so stoked she's like i can't believe i made it out of space safely this is unbelievable also my legs have never felt better out of an l shape so (laughs) 
these peasant people are crowded around her and she's like, you know what? You deserve this. And she's giving them like souvenirs from her <laughs> flight. And she's giving them all these things like, you know, the little bit of space food that she had and like everything else and whatever. And like pieces of fat, whatever, anything that she had, she was giving it to them. Which the Russian military is like, we really wish you hadn't done that. We didn't tell you to do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they're like, are you a captain or what? Yeah. Um, but she was officially a national hero. Now, she wasn't just floating out there. She did do some good work. She maintained a flight log and took photographs of the horizon, which were later used to identify aerosol layers within the atmosphere. But many people like to talk shit on her. And they're like, her notes weren't good enough. And like, I wish she had done more. And it's like, okay... Um, let's send you up to space in a fucking ping pong ball and see how you do. Right. Like, get over yourself. That must have been so difficult because the technology was so new. Um, but that stuff wasn't important yet. She was the first woman in space. And when she got back to Moscow, one million flowers were sent to honor her. And Nikita Khrushchev welcomed her back with open arms in front of a huge crowd and she was awarded the Hero of the Soviet Union Award and the Order of Lenin. Queen Elizabeth II, shout out to last week, sent her a telegram saying, congratulations. You made it. This, you did it. Well, her husband also loved fucking outer space. Uh, yeah. Loved it. Philip is a big space boy. <laughs> He's the biggest space boy. Or he was. I'm sorry. He was the biggest space boy ever. And Khrushchev obviously wanted to give her just like, all the honors and all the accolade. And he's like, uh, hit me if you need a favor. And she was like, you know what? I do need a favor from you. I want to ride trains. <laughs> I want to go on a train. <laughs> she said, look, my father was killed in the war when I was two. And my family never got any information on it. And I want you to search and publish where he was killed in action. So not only did they find the site, tell her where it was. They erected a monument there for her dad. That's great. What? Uh, hello, Soviet Union. You're not that bad. Just kidding. You're pretty terrible. But yeah, don't keep doing <laughs> don't, what you're doing. Stop don't everything you're, you're doing. doing. Immediate stop. Um, we'll stop. But yeah, they erected a monument That's before great. he died, which is so nice. Uh, less than a week after her return from space, Moscow hosted the International Women's Congress on June 24th, where um, she and the other cosmonaut, um, Bikovsky, the were you know the, the other guy was out there, the boy in space we don't care about. Um, we- they were greeted by a gathering of 2,000 women from 119 countries. Please. <laughs> and of all the cosmonauts, she was asked to attend the most events. She was the most popular. In total, she made 42 trips abroad between 1963 and 1970. And oddly, I thought this was so funny. The documentary said that she was really popular in India. Like, Indian women found her so inspirational. I mean, it was India practically touches Russia. And it was super (laughs) close. So close. But it was literally like that woman actually touched the stars. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, what can I do? Like, this was such a big deal for women around the world. It's a huge inspiration. It that, really like, is. A country would put you up there so early. I yeah, think that's so what's early. so shocking yes, about I it. Agree. It's like, not only do we want to do it, we want to do it now. Mm-hmm. We're not waiting. We're right. not waiting. So later that year, 
she got married to fellow cosmonaut Andrea Nikola- uh, Nikolaev on November 3rd, 1963 at the Moscow Wedding Palace with, of course, Papa Khrushchev <laughs> presiding over the day's events. The marriage was encouraged by the Soviet space authorities as a fairy tale message to the country. So it's kind of like, what were they in love? Was it propaganda? Soviet Russia will never tell. Uh, she was young and did something amazing. She better fucking get married. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, we want the, we also want the first space man and women wedding. <laughs> A few months later, in February 1964, she was pregnant with her first daughter, um, Yelena Andrianova Nikoleva Tereshkova, who is the first person ever born to two people who have both been in space. Damn! <laughs> no way! No way! Uh, Yelena, you fucking rock. Wow! I know. Um, and I another... Wonder, I wonder if her blood has, like, less gravity. I hope so. She... She's gonna be like she. She's gonna be like an X person, like an X. Yeah, yeah. She, I hate that. Why are they called the X Men? That's upsetting. I don't know because Let's riot about it. We should riot about it. But she's gonna be able to like float like them. She just needs to harness her power. Exactly. Um, another fun fact tying us to last week's episode. Valentina actually got to visit Queen Elizabeth II during 1964, and they were both pregnant. Oh. Ah! Geez. <laughs> after all this she was interested in continuing her space career she was like okay when can i go back up but they're like mm, we think you're done in space and they're done that we did it we don't really need it to happen again we already won <laughs> but we love you in politics <laughs> they're like basically told her like thank you so much for doing that but like we need to put you back at like a desk job you're not a not a not a star boy mm-hmm. <laughs> but apparently they were also kind of trying to keep her safe because in 1968 yuri gargarin died in a plane crash and the soviet union was flipping out because we we're like he was our national hero he was the guy that represented all the great things about the Soviet Union. So they were like, we can't lose another national hero. So they mm-hmm. kind of just were like, we need to keep you fucking safe. So kind of against her wishes, she was appointed as the leader of the Committee for Soviet Women in 1968. And unfortunately, just there's a lot of stuff going on. And women were not allowed to go back into space until 1982. Which was really disappointing for the four other women who had been trained because they were promised that they were going to space. And I think a lot of them were really bitter about it, especially because the one was like, I'm like a pilot. I was supposed to be the one like and now I'll never get that chance because by 1982, it's like you're too too old. old. Right. It just sucks. So I feel bad for them. So, you know, pour one out for those homies. But plenty of men were still allowed to go. Wait, do you mean that women are disenfranchised <laughs> yes. and like treated yes, like I shit? do? Mm. And in January 1969, she is on her way to a welcome home celebration for the latest group of cosmonauts coming back from space. They're all in a motor car together on their way to a celebration at the Kremlin. And 
an officer in blue steps out from the crowd and starts shooting at the car. Stop it. No. You're lying. I'm not. They found nine bullets under her seat, but none of them hit her. What? Some others were injured. Only the driver was killed. But it's interesting because she wasn't the target, nor any of the other cosmonauts. It was Leonid Brezhnev, who was the leader of the Soviet Union at the time. So this man, Viktor Ivanovich Ilyin, was the culprit. He was a 22-year-old so- soldier who apparently was really angry. Cause Again, he... young men let's <sighs> no, without the guns. Let's... White male rage. <laughs> um, um, we talked about it last week. We talk about it every week, we'll it seems it like. Let's stop shooting people. Please. Um, so he apparently was really angry because he felt like he was forced into the, being in the army. I don't know if he was, like, drafted or whatever. So he stole some guns and his brother's police uniform, and he tried to assassinate the leader of the Soviet Union. He was arrested and later declared insane. So she survives an assassination attempt. By 1976, Valentina was a colonel in the Soviet Air Forces, and in April 1977, she earned a doctorate in aeronautical engineering. She was also an instructor at the Yuri Gagarin Cosmonaut Training Center. As the years went on, she continued being politically active, but after just 19 years of marriage, her and Andrian got divorced. I guess it wasn't out of this world. Yeah. Mm, no one's really sure what happened, but we do know that they refused to be in any photographs together anymore, and wow. she doesn't really talk about it. <laughs> oh, no! In 1982, she married Yuli Shapnoshkivov, um, a surgeon she had met during her medical examinations to re-qualify as a cosmonaut, so we do know that she did try to get back into space mm. and they remained married until Shapanoshkov's uh death in 1999 in 2011 she was finally elected after running multiple times to the state duma aka the lower house of the russian government so we're officially back in russia not the soviet union <laughs> <laughs> and in 2016 tereshkova was re-elected to the seventh state duma I don't know how their government works. And she served as a deputy chairperson of the Committee on the Federal Structure and Local Government. Other than that, she is currently 84. She loves being with her daughter, Yelena, and her two grandsons, and just enjoying the many things that are named after her, including a crater on the moon, a library, her former elementary school, <laughs> a planetarium near Slavo. Um, there is also Novoprominicia Square in Tver. Um, it was n- renamed Tereshkova Square. There is a statue of her in Cosmonaut Alley. There is a recreation of her home, a la Dolly Parton, in the Cosmonaut Museum. Of course! <laughs> there are songs and whole concept albums written about her. And that the International Women of the Year Association named her as the greatest woman achiever of the 20th century. And she's been an Olympic torchbearer twice. Wow. Was she propaganda? Maybe. Probably. But frankly, I don't think it matters. I think she still did an incredibly brave thing that was like the survival chances were really fucking low. And she has remained an inspiration for many women. And that's the life 
life so far, because she's still alive, of Valentina Tereshkova. Wow. What a story. I know. I love she's so that. cool. <laughs> she is super cool. All right. Well, now we need to talk about these two ladies together in a little segment we like to call Just the Two of Us. Wow. Okay. So I think right off the bat, I mean, they kind of come from very different backgrounds. I like that both of us, I mean, they come from very different backgrounds and we were both talking about our cocktail as if we had to make it like it wasn't something normal. Oh, you're so I was right. Like, I need to put it in a martini glass, even though it's bourbon. And you were like, I need to put this chocolate with, or this coffee with this like citrus because mm-hmm. it's not normal. So yeah. we, we got that vibe on both these girls, even though they're from across the world in different centuries. Yeah. They're just nothing alike. And we both got the vibe of like, honey, you need something different. Yeah. Because they were both expected to do more than a regular woman, but also fall into the trope of being a regular woman. Yeah. Like I thought a lot about how they were both kind of supposed to get married. And we saw Mary Todd Lincoln, like, you know, kind of pick the wrong guy, but it was like, okay, whatever. It's like, as long as you just get married and you're not an old maid spinster, whatever. So like she was getting a lot of pressure from her family. And I think with Valentina, there was a lot of pressure from the Soviet union, from the state being like, you need to get married and we want you to marry this fellow cosmonaut. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't know that for sure, but it's not super falling off from reality that like they would tell that she needs to do this. Yeah. And I, I think just the external pressure, even if somebody doesn't tell you, you have to Mm -hmm. like, you know, as a woman before literally maybe a couple years ago, that it is your job to get married, to have kids, to give up some of your career. And then like, I'm also thinking about how like they're both being told you should have done more. I when totally it's like, agree. I yes. did literally the most. I did the most I could for a woman in my situation. Like, and again, it's like, it makes me mad with Valentina because she was like, you didn't pick me because I was a fantastic scientist. You picked me because I was a good parachutist because I was the one person who you knew could get back to earth safely. And I didn't so die. So fuck off. And I yeah. didn't die. And like, You're so right that there are just these insane expectations for these women who weren't supposed to be doing any more than people were asking of them, Mm -hmm. but also who wanted to do more. It's kind of just like this catch 44 even, you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's more than a catch 22. It's like, I'm not supposed to be, I, I don't know. It just fucking sucks. And like, I hate that these women had to live their lives constantly thinking about what other people were thinking about, talking about, telling them. It just, they couldn't really at any point be their own person Mm. because they were kind of used as propaganda. Both of them. Yeah. And they're also both surrounded by men. Like, you know... Um, Valentina is going in and she's going to all these classes and the men are like, you should join the military. You should do this. You should do that. Yeah. And like a Mary's having these salons in the white house. Yeah. And in both instances, it's like, but that's not enough. It's not enough yeah. to have boys give you guidance because you're still like in terms of like Mary Todd Lincoln, which is over a hundred years beforehand. It's like, you are still insane. Yeah. Like, 
when we think about Mary Todd Lincoln was in communication with Queen Victoria, which is Queen Elizabeth II's great great grandmother, and yeah. then like Valentina is in communication with her. Yeah, it's funny that they're in communication with the same yeah, the same both family, famous enough to be in communication with the yeah. same family. Yeah, but they're not respected enough to be given full credit for the things that they did. No. Because they weren't taken seriously. Well, they were used. They were used. Again, like they were propaganda. And we know that. And I think that Mary Todd Lincoln is an example of a very failed propaganda because she had undiagnosed, unhelped, untreated mental health issues. That and everyone she was knew like, died. oh my God, just get over it, you know? And mourning was a sign of weakness yeah. then. Yeah. And. Valentina is kind of an example of this very successful propaganda of mm -hmm. like we sometimes even question whether or not she was you know but like she is still a hero and like she should be that was so hard and I think that people like to talk about well if I was first lady if I was in the space whatever and it's like it seems so easy in your head but most of us most of us normal ass people if given the opportunity to, you know, be in a tiny space capsule and, and be sent into outer space alone or be the first lady and be in this White House alone. You'd be like, no Because you're way. alone most of the time. There are people around you, but no one's really with you. Yeah. Like, they're very isolated. And then it's like, you're disappointed with what I did with this shitty ass circumstance that everyone thinks they can do. Everyone thinks they can be these women and do a better job than them. And it's like, sorry, not true. It's like, but you didn't. That's the thing. It's like, I don't want to talk about your hypothetical because you know what? You fucking didn't. You didn't go into space. Right. You weren't the first lady during the Civil War. You didn't train your husband to eat <laughs> Again, correctly with a fork to make him president. And let's be clear. She was the first lady during the Civil War. I can't. I mean, I can't imagine a worse time because I feel like we're fucking in it. But like there was a was literal horrible. another president yeah. in the United States. Yeah, there <laughs> There's literally a second president. It's like you're in bizarro world and like you're not the only first lady in America. It's like all it's so shitty. They and we're also both really subject to government spending. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like Valentina, like she could only do what she was doing because the government decided they wanted to spend money on her. Yeah. And it's like I feel like the same thing is happening with Mary Todd Lincoln, where it's like if Abe Lincoln came in and was like, the White House is shit. We need to fix it. Congress would have been like, Let's absolutely. Fix it. Yes, Mr. President. But she's like, I want to buy some curtains. And everybody is like, what a female folly. Wow, you bitch. What a folly. <laughs> I can't believe it. What a hellcat. I also like, I want to talk about the idea of them being kind of cemented in one place after a man's death. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Mary Todd had a lot of men's death, but like after Abe died, she is cemented in history as a crazy ghost-believing widow. Yeah. We don't see her as anything else. And I felt like after Yuri died, they were like, no more women. It's like, you, like, you can't right. go back into space because you, you might die. So, like, you did it once. Let's accept the victory and, like... Put that woman on a pedestal. Put her on a pedestal. Again, yeah, put her on a pedestal. It's funny because they're put in different places. Like, for... 
Valentina, they're like, put her on a pedestal, cement her forever. You'll never die. Like, just it's fine. Stay fine. <laughs> consistent. And with Mary Todd, they're like, okay, asylum. B- asylum, get her away. But like, either way, they're cemented in two very different ways after a significant male death, which I think is really interesting mm. because she had obviously undergone the medical examination to go back in his face. So by 1968, they were still thinking of sending women into space. And then after Yuri's death, it was like, no, we're no not way. doing that. Stay, where you, stay put, honey. And it's just like, why do men's deaths make us stop in our track? But women's lives, we don't even give a shit about. Yeah. It's like it's nothing. Yeah. Ugh. What a point. <laughs> Is that the final point? I think it's the final point. Let's keep moving after prominent male deaths <laughs> i don't know if that's Let's actually the point uh, are you ready to toast i'm ready to toast ali who would you like to toast i want to toast women wives mothers sisters daughters whatever who have suffered loss i think mm. grief is so personal and everybody takes it differently and poor mary was in the public eye for four out of five immediate family members that died literally in front of her suddenly and tragically. Um, And I think it's terrible. And my heart really goes out to people who are dealing with that and are not accepted for the way that they want to grieve. Mm, Like some people want to post about it on social media. Some people don't want to talk about it at all. Yeah. Like everybody has their own way of grieving and you should be allowed to do that without public scrutiny. Ugh, so I to, totally agree to women who are grieving. Cheers. Cheers. Oh. Oh, I know it's a really hard thing too with like people whose like family members get murdered because people are like, you're not murdering. And like, no, you're not murdered. You're not grieving correctly. You must be the murderer. And it's, it's like, like Let's take a stake back from that. Like, (laughs) so I'm going to toast women who shoot for the top of a tree and end up landing among the, among the stars. Valentina started her life wanting to be a train conductor and she ended up being a goddamn cosmonaut because she said yes to opportunity. And I don't think it's a bad thing to shoot for the top of a tree. You know what I'm saying? I feel like people are like, shoot for the stars. And it's like, eh, you know don't what? Need to. You don't need to. <laughs> shoot for next door. Shoot for wherever the hell you want to. Most people die five miles from where they were born. Exactly. Okay. So I just, I want to toast to women who say yes, but because like it is how you get past the treetop. Even if you only shoot for the treetop, which I think is totally reasonable because I feel like I shoot for treetops, you know, but you just say yes when it happens. Yeah. And then sometimes you get better. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So toast to them. (laughs) It's kind of muddled, but, um, okay. What are you enjoying in pop culture this week? (laughs) So this week I am going to promo your child's (gasps) teacher. Who? Anybody's Wait, my child. Okay, child. I was like, I don't have a child. All what are you talking child's about? Teachers listening. They need a, they need a, a a clapping hand. Everybody does need a clapping hand. The last two years, half online, half in person. Just when you go back, like, be a little bit extra nice. Like, nobody knows what the fuck's going on. 
And like, please don't like flip out on the teachers. Like it's just everybody is trying. <laughs> They're trying so hard. And it's been a weird couple of years. And a yeah. lot of kids in this country haven't been in a literal school building in 18 months. So they're going back to a place they've never been, even if they're in 11th grade. Because I mean, they've never been in the high school before. If you, th- I was thinking about that the other day about like, if a kid was in like fifth grade when COVID started, they've never stepped foot in a middle school before. Some of them. Yeah. And now they're going into seventh grade. Right. That's really scary. My kids were in fourth grade and the kids that were in fourth grade haven't been in school since then. And now they're going to middle school. They're going literally from young elementary school <laughs> to sixth grade where teachers expect a lot more. And the same thing's true of high school. You're going from seventh grade to ninth grade with nothing in the middle. So just be, be gracious and gentle. <laughs> just be gracious with your child and with their teachers because yeah. let's be clear the majority of teachers in this country are 40 year old white women yeah so be kind to us <laughs> we're so so trying um and we're not all great some of us fucking suck at our jobs but like soft hands for at least a year and then report them to the principal if they're sucking at their job there you go so I'm promoing <sighs> teachers right now because school's about to start. Oh, yeah. We're right around the corner. We're all going nuts because the kids have not been in the building and nobody knows what they're doing. Ooh. Okay. What do you want to promo in pop culture? So similar to last week when I recommended a British show because I was doing Queen Elizabeth, I'm going to promote the show Russian Doll. Have you good? seen it? I haven't seen it. I've heard it. It was. Of it. I didn't know what it was going to be about because mm-hmm. I was like, I thought it was like a mob type crime show. It's not. What is it? It is a Groundhog Day style show where Natasha Leone, who looks incredible. I looked it up because a lot of people want to know, is she wearing a wig in this show? No, it's her natural hair. Um, She keeps living the same night over and over again. But the cool thing about this one is sometimes she gets to like, the next day so it's not as if like she goes to sleep and then wakes up and it's back to the same day she keeps going until she dies <gasps> which is real it's an interesting twist it's and like so she can survive again. for longer and it's just so fascinating it's one of the best like time loop show like time loop things i've never seen a time loop show and they do it so well that's good and i just loved it and like the music is great the costumes are great the actors are great and i just loved it so and it's all it's a one season on netflix it's like like what is it like eight or 12 episodes or something like that and it's so great so something easy yeah it's fantastic so russian doll it's so fucking good all right so that's it we are done with tonight's episode and we just want you to know that we love you and we hope you enjoyed this. We hope you're enjoying season 10 so far. We have a lot of really cool episodes coming up. Find us everywhere. These are two powerhouses tonight. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, find us everywhere. We're on Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn and everywhere and, and Facebook. And if you're still Patreon, there, if you want to Patreon, us. yeah, if you like the show and want to pay for our cocktails every once in a while, please go over there because every little bit means so much to us. Cause uh, we spend way too much we money. We spend shit. too much money at the liquor store. Yeah. So <laughs> really 
So we love you, and we want you to never forget that well-behaved women never roll their eyes when you're acting mm, foolish. True. And they rarely make history. Goodbye. on the rocks we are independently produced by 1986 entertainment and proudly recorded in baltimore maryland if there's a woman in history you would like us to cover you can email us at herstoryontherocks at gmail.com you can also message us on twitter or instagram we post all of our cocktail recipes on tuesdays so that you can go get all the supplies you need and drink along with us see you next week bye